This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're coming to you from the... Actually, we're coming to you from the virtual joint again. We've actually copped out. We were going to come to you from the pub. And then we looked at the thermometer outside. And we thought, hold on a second. It's a little bit cold. We might have to wait for this pub reunion thing to happen a few days later. So I'm sitting here. I'm Billy Grant. with my chums in the virtual joint once again absolute cop out the world's kind of going back to normal almost and we've decided to do what we've been doing for the last six months bit rubbish isn't it laney yeah we bottled it and we um it, it was too cold um as much as we love a pub and we do love a pub bill um i think sitting in the garden shivering it's uh it's it's not it's not why it's not what i'm looking forward to at the moment so uh um i'll wait till saturday and uh i'll, I'll enjoy it then sunny day saturday it's gonna be warm so uh um we maybe we do the post-match pod in the beer garden and uh thoroughly enjoy ourselves that's right and we go into the globe on saturday can't wait as well absolutely going to be full to the rafters as he is probably he's booked out from now until the end of summer or something like that with people in the pottiness are, uh, are returning back to uh, the, the usual haunts. And I've got the Allard in the house. How are you, the Allard? You're shivering there in the corner, aren't you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, I think it was the right decision. Um, I, I think when I go back to a pub, which I will do um, probably well on Saturday, um, I want it to be done on, in, in the right way. And, it, and it's just it's a bit cold. Um, I think if you could guarantee like a heater, but when, you, when you're booking online, you can't like put, must have a heater within a metre of me and must have some sort of cover, can you? And, um, and if you ring up and ask, um, you, yeah, you, you're, not, you're not being fair on the staff. No, heater meter. Yeah, so, uh, and also we've got, we're going West Country again. Haven't spoken to him for a while. This is uh, the Liberal Nick. And, and what I was going to say to you is actually, I'm going to call you the real liberal because I've noticed that someone on this podcast is actually calling himself the real liberal. And even though, you know, we do sort of kind of pull you up on certain things and we do have a bit of jesting about certain things, 
I wasn't actually very happy about somebody trying to take the mantle of the real liberal. And, and I'm, I've noticed also that you've actually kind of, you've not really tried to reclaim it back, have you? No, I just like to think of myself as the original liberal. I mean, the one and only <laughs> liberal. I can, you know, I'm going to get myself a rap, rap song done in that way, you know. Yeah, I'm good, Bill. It's great to be back. Good to catch up with you all. You know, I've missed this. I've missed our chats as I look over. Beautiful sun sunset happening in Devon. This is all good, and it's good to have you back, actually. I'd have to say as well, I know that we haven't gone down the, the pub tonight, which we almost did, but I've actually, I've, I've actually tucked into a new boozer as I'm holding it up to the characters there as well. I've got the old, I've got the old Beaver Town, the Beaver Town 0.3%, actually, um, Laser Crush, and it's actually very good. I was very surprised. I saw it in the shop today, first time ever. So uh, if everyone wants to have a little bit of an easy night out, but just check out a little bit of lowers to no alcohol, try the old Beaver Town sort of a laser crush. Anybody else drinking anything decent out there? Well, I'm actually drinking a dark Belgian beer tonight, but I've also recently discovered a 0.01% cider, which is fantastic. Actually. <laughs> it's um, <laughs> local to me, so What's I'm not searching for... I mean, well, the the point the point, David, is that those of us who wish to remain young and beautiful and healthy. But isn't that just apple? It's just apple juice, though, isn't it? Exactly, apple juice. <laughs> it's, it's, it's sparkly apple juice with that just that slight kick that means you don't get nicked. And, it, and it's, know, it's, really it's eight quid. <laughs> now this is Devon, mate. It's two pound fifty, and mm. and and three and three pounds if you want the rat put in the in the vat. Yeah. Didn't they used to call it diamond white? <laughs> yeah, it's you sitting in the corner, Matt, not me. Yeah. I was working out actually. I need to have ten of these Beaver Towns to actually be equivalent of half of half a small <laughs> Beaver Town, <laughs> a sort of a regular Beaver Town. So, like you were saying, you know, I was talking to the kids, I said, "Oh, Daddy, but if you drink a few of those, you'll be drunk." I said, to him, "I'll have to drink about." 120 of them like you know could you imagine sitting there drinking 120 of these little beers but anyway listen we we, we go on because I, I think basically what i'm trying to say is that we're trying to save ourselves for saturday and so i mean saturday has been um we're slightly um disappointed because obviously the kick out time has been put back but anyway we'll come to that a little bit later because we had a game on saturday we played preston north end and uh, we got a bit of a, a surprise result. I think Thomas Frank would say oh, it was no surprise to me. But Brentford went and whooped Preston North End 5-0 on Saturday. Great result, great game, great turnaround. Now, before that podcast, we did a podcast last week, which was t- entitled The Panic was it the Panic Systems or the Panic Zone Panic podcast? Station. Panic Stations podcast. Basically, panic was the word that I remember. And we put that podcast out. And what we got is we decided to get some people with different views on this podcast. Um, I sit down and I spoke to Lainey and, you know, we discussed it and I said, listen, you know, the fact is that we sit every week, week in and week out. There's only so long that you could talk about how many times is, you know, uh, Rico Henry being injured and then you've got Mads Beck at left back and should Fossey play there or not play there and, you know, centre-back options and not buying a winger. There's only so long that you can go on about that. And also the fact is that, you know, we were on a bit of a bad roll and there were questions flying around whether or not people liked it or not, okay, flying around, as I said, the TW8 sphere as to kind of how we're going to get out of this. Okay, would Thomas Frank get out of it? Would he not get out of it? And I know a lot of people say, oh, yes, I'm very happy to be there and everything's so wonderful and I love Brentford. But we were in a situation um, where, you know, questions were being asked. And so we thought, tell you what, tell you what, there's many people out there. 
with all sorts of different types of views out there in Brentford space, okay? Let's just get them around the table and let's hear their points of view. Some people, and I've got quite a few messages, direct messages, emails from people saying that they found it a hard listen, they didn't agree with the people and it was winding them up. But, you know, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to defend everything that we did last week because as far as I'm concerned, all right, as long as you're not, say, sexist, as long as you're not racist, as long as you're not homophobic, you can have a different opinion to somebody else. As long as you can come around the table and argue your point, okay, that's as good as far as I'm concerned. And when you sit around the table and argue your point, if people have got a better argument than you or can sort of kind of sort of wing things out of you, then that's all good. And on the flip side of it is also is that you actually might learn something. So guys, I mean, it's interesting. I'm going to come to the Allard first because obviously the Allard wasn't in the studio with the Royal Oak B, with the Lynx Dave and Mr. T as well. I mean, your thoughts on that session, the Allard? Um, I think I, I think the, per, the point you make where we were probably, to some extent, we maybe were going around in circles a bit because we were, and, and that was more mostly to do with the football on the pitch, is that we were seeing the same thing every week and we were saying the same thing every week and, and we needed a change. So we switched it up for the podcast and then Thomas Frank switched it up on Saturday. So I, I think, in all honesty, it's all good. Do you think you listen to the podcast? Um, well, no, because I don't think anybody said that was what should be done. Um, there was a lot of there was a lot of um, <laughs> lot of chat about what he was doing wrong, and, and maybe if we could fault last week's podcast, it was actually did we really say what he could do or what he should do? Um, but certainly, um, yeah, we, we mixed it up, and, and Thomas mixed it up too. The liberal, your thoughts. I, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was excellent. Um, I have to say, though, slightly disappointed to switch on my television on Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon, I, the I follow, and not see Roy Keane anywhere on the touchline. <laughs> I mean, I'm disappointed because I was absolutely convinced that Roy Keane was going to be there. I mean, as you say, Bill. He was, he was there. Was he? he oh, right. Okay. Yeah. must have been in disguise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It must have been. There was there was certainly one bloke I didn't recognise. He must be there in disguise, and obviously Roy Key made all the difference. I mean, but in all in all seriousness, I mean, you know, over the years on this podcast, I've expressed some outrageous views. <laughs> we were surprised not to have you on, to be quite honest, you liberal. <laughs> you have rightly taken me to task for some of those views. Uh, at other times, I've been the uh, calming influence, as others have run away with fanciful ideas. No, it was a great debate, and as you say, Bill. Absolutely anybody and everybody should feel free to be able to contribute, chip in their ideas. Because what's football but a game, it's a mass, all football is a matter of opinions. And I mean, you know, us four sitting around pontificating tonight, there's nothing to say that we could, that there aren't others out there who could do just as good a job. So contact, contact yourself, isn't it, Bill? And come on the podcast and... Uh, Take us on if you don't agree with what we're saying. And, and as we say, this isn't this isn't North Korea. I mean, we kind of got some sort of you know certain kind of ministers of information going out there, sort of saying you know you shouldn't give them a voice, shouldn't give them a platform. And I just think that's completely and utterly ridiculous. And in my life, and people know about this, I sat down, I've spoken to racists, I've spoken to all sorts of characters out there. I'll sit down, I don't respect what they say, and I'm not saying this about the guys last week, I don't respect what they say, but I'll sit down and I'll, I'll show them that I have got a head on me, that I can have a conversation with them without actually raising my voice or rowing myself up, and I can actually show them maybe where they are wrong in that conversation. And I've spent my whole life doing that, so I've got, I haven't got any problems getting people around the table that I might have a slight difference with, okay, uh, as, as I say, as long as they're not sexist, racist, homophobic, and even if they are racist or, or sexist or homophobic, I'll get them around the table and I'll show them also where they are wrong there, but that's a different scenario altogether. Laney, it was an interesting uh, 
evening, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really interesting, and I'm and I'm glad we did it as well. Um, there, I thought I thought there was a lot of uh, good debate. I thought um, most people said uh, things that um, what each other respected and took on board to a certain point. I thought there was uh, I thought I thought there was a couple of times where it, it kind of like edged into kind of silly silliness. Um, you know, when you kind of don't you don't appreciate the structure of the club, um, and for for you, for you to a couple of suggestions for for those to be implemented, you would have to kind of get rid of the owner and and the directors of football and everything that's made us successful and great over the last decade. So uh, it, it kind of crossed over into areas where I thought this is just this is a bit nonsensical, but for eighty percent of it, I thought it was really really a really healthy debate. Um, it's good to get different people on. Um, I think we've got a big pool of, of people anyway. Um, some aren't always available, and so you know the ones that come on the most are the ones that are probably the most available and 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 just kind of like there to, to come on at, sh- at short notice. Um, so yeah, I, I'm glad we did get different voices on. Um, and I, again, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't not I, w- I wouldn't not invite any of them back on. Uh, at all so I don't think any you know I think ev- everyone that came on was enthusiastic and spoke their minds the, the, the things that I weren't I wasn't really comfortable with was obviously one person wants Frank out re- almost like regardless of whatever happens um, so so you know that that's that's not a that's not a healthy situation really because you know it doesn't you know he he was he was one result away from kind of having most of his arguments kind of null and voided, and that's what happened on Saturday, really. To be fair, actually, that person actually, when he was asked, um, it actually said, "Oh no, he wants Thomas Frank out um, in the summer if we don't go up." So it did sort of it did change. It changed from his online view, changed the view in the studio, and I think that again, listen. Listen, and the person isn't there to kind of sort of, you know, to, to, to talk to us in the studio now. So all we're doing is that we're just reflecting what happened there. I think this is a situation, you know, what happens when you have a debate around the table. Because sometimes when you're online on Twitter, you've got 280 characters and you've just gone bang, 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 bang. And it's just nonsense, right? But when you're sitting around the table here, maybe he may sat down and just thought, actually, my point of view here is actually kind of doesn't really make any sense. So all of a sudden he may change his mind as a result of the debate that's gone down. And that's why sometimes this talking stuff actually really works. Yeah, no, and I thought I thought the other two were, were you know, they really uh, intelligent and and from almost everything they said um, was, was a, you know, a, a valid point um again you know we don't need a roy king like character i know he didn't he didn't actually say roy king he did <laughs> yeah he did in, in, no he did he didn't mean it no he did well he did he he said someone like he said someone like and and the, the last thing that this group of players needs is is someone that's shouting at and, and ranting and scaring and intimidating people in the dressing room you know saturday proved that you know, uh, we we do we did need to reassess the the formation and the setup of the defence. We knew that we spoke about that before, and even Thomas Frank, uh, you know, he admitted in his post match Preston conference that two players came to him, um, Norgard and uh, Pontus, and um, they they suge- made suggestions. And between between the the players, 
the representatives of the players and the, and the coaching staff and the tacticians, they came up with this system. And it, it was a gamble. It was a big gamble because they said even tra- even training on Friday, it, it didn't look great. But on, you know, and Thomas said, on paper, he looked at that team and he said he said it, it looked great, but he was scared that he, he'd go out on the, on, the, on the pitch and it would look shit. They were the exact words. Is that going to be our formation now going forward? It's, a, it's a early to ask that um, in, in this podcast. Um, it's, um, I mean, we, we, we can carry on that conversation and, and I would say that um, it will be for the foreseeable future until there's injuries or players coming back or we get another run of defeats. Interesting. Just coming back to what you were saying there, Laney, um, just coming back to another point where, you know, again, people outside my poo-poo it, um, what we were, one of the points that we were saying in the podcast, we were saying about how Thomas Frank needed to make a change and how he needed to be brave. We talked about this. We talked about this in the podcast before. And sometimes it becomes difficult because, because we talked about being wedded to the stats because on paper it says that this is the way to go forward and you need to change. Now, there was a suggestion that Thomas Frank needed um, some help, right? Okay, and that was, I think, taken really literally where, you know, somebody sort of thought, all right, you bring another manager in, you know, under Thomas Frank, which it doesn't necessarily mean that. It may need, and, and I think I tried to explain this, it might mean a, a, a wiser head, an old wiser owl, a consultant who, you know, who's somebody who, who is part of the, you know, the club who, who doesn't want to manage anymore, but you can go to him and sit down with him, you know, once a week or once a month and say, tell you something, you know, I've been doing this, what do you think? Oh, yeah, when I did this 20 years ago, you know, and what I've seen now, this, and somebody's to bounce ideas off. What it seems to me now that what's happened is that Norgard and the other player that came in, they were the people that, because he had a different set of ears to what he normally has, because normally he's got his coaching team, what do we do? And they carry on doing the same thing. But when the players came in and gave a different idea, and he went, they all went, that sounds quite interesting, why don't we try this? He had a different set of ears, okay? So, I'm not trying to sort of justify what we're saying is right, but what I'm trying to say to you is that we said last week he needed a different set of ears to come in to try and do something different, and that's what happened, the Allies. And yeah, in, in, in retrospect to that conversation last week, I, and although that was probably what was said, what I heard was um, somebody should be forced on Thomas Frank um, to tell him what he should be doing and what he's doing wrong. And that was, so, so that's kind of what I reacted against. When you actually explained it slightly differently, then it did make more sense for sure. Um, and then we moved on to something else. And, um, and, and I think the, the big point from this, of course, is that actually we got a result or we got a, an improvement in performance or well, we got both. And we did it by talking about it, not somebody screaming at people. Um, so, so I think all of it makes sense. Yeah, and, and it, it, I think if it had been framed in that way, rather than you need to have someone coming in who's who's going to kind of maybe upset everything. And I think, Allard, you made the point where, you know, you, you can't just bring anyone in with seven games to go. It could destroy everything. Really, the, the voices that needed to be listened to, we, we already had them. And um, you know that's that's the great thing about this solution to what clearly needed, what, what clearly wasn't working, the, the, a, a, a defence set up that really wasn't allowing us to to play in the creative way we used to. The solution was there using the minds of the players, and you know it's great that there is that environment where they can go to the 
the, the, the head coach and 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 not be not be kind of disciplined for that. Yeah, and 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 I think you can draw a really interesting parallel with one of the great managers um, from the 1990 World Cup, um, Bobby Robson, when we were when, when England were really struggling at the beginning of that World Cup, and then he sat down with the players and they worked out a system using Mark Wright as a effectively where Norgar played and changed their system completely. But it was a but it was a conversation that he had with the players that brought that about, and um, you know Bobby Robson, great manager. And, and there's, there was also two other points that I didn't agree, that I actually didn't agree with. I mean, there's loads of people that say I didn't agree with anything they said. Um, again, and I'll, I'll discuss it now because, again, you know, difference of opinion. There's one thing when he said that Thomas Frank was arrogant, which I was just thinking, OK, you know, where, you know, where do you get that from? You've never spoken to him. You don't know him. You know, maybe that's how it comes across. But, you know, um, and is there a difference between, you know, where, where's the borderline between arrogance and confidence and also, you know, you in your head, you're thinking, you know, being principled with this is the way I want to do things. Do you know what I'm saying? And also there's another thing as well. And again, I'm not accusing of, but you know what I'm saying? But if, you, if you're going around telling somebody this is what you should do and this is what you shouldn't do and this is all wrong, you should get this person in again. Again, there's different ways about being arrogant. So I think it's quite difficult to sort of kind of tell a manager he's arrogant if you arrogantly tell a manager that he's arrogant, if you understand what I'm saying. And also the other thing was the coaching. There was also an, a, a, a remark on our coaching saying that our coaching wasn't top notch. Now, I'm not be funny. We're not Man United and we're not Man City, right? So we can't afford coaches like that. So I, I do understand what you're saying, but the fact is that, and a lot of people said this, it's almost like you sit, people seem to keep forgetting when we have good games and when we do good things. And also the other thing is that people are learning and they're learning all the time. And the problem that you have is that if you throw something out the window, as soon as it's, something just doesn't work for a minute, somebody else will take that out the window, just polish it up a bit, put a couple of extra screws in it and it'll be perfect. It'll be working all again and even better. And I think this is what we have to understand is at the moment, the way that Brentford are, we're still young. We're working with elements that are learning and they're learning big time. And next season, last season, they know more than this season. This season, they know more than next season. Thomas Frank's been managing for two years. You know, Kevin Conner's been in, in, the, in the game for really a couple of years. They're all learning now. So it just depends on what you want. And I think sometimes you can get too greedy, right? You know, and I, it's almost like I understand the people that say, I'm so happy to be here. I don't really care if we never go up. I understand that. But also, like I said to you, we spent loads of money and um, we, we do need to be in a particular position because of the money we spent. Whereas we might have spent, you know, a, th- you know, a fifth of the money we spent and, and finished in 10th or 12th place. You know, so there's, there, I think there's a balance up. The coaching point is a good one because, I mean, quite frankly, during the championship season, you rarely get the time to properly coach, do you? Um, the, the games come so thick and fast that you're actually more in a recovery mode and, uh, and a sort of, you know, setting up set pieces for your next opponent. That's about the extent of the coaching you could do. This time, after, there was the international break and it was interesting we got the result after that because I think we also had the week's gap as well which allowed people probably to get on the training pitch, work out a few formation, work out the, the ideas that we saw put into practice on, on Saturday. The, the only thing is, Nick, is, is those players were all away on international duty. So, this, so, so I think it's... So to be honest, I guess it was done probably in between the last game and the game on Saturday. Yeah, that's what, yeah sorry, that's, 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 that, right, that's what that's I meant. Right. But uh, two things, uh, my final view on this is one, Pontus is quite clearly 
lining himself up for a coaching job, whether it's with us or with somebody else, that's fine and great um, and good that. And it also shows the uh, our no dickhead policy works as well, because actually if you can have that, uh, if you have players who feel confident enough to go into our head coach and say, how about we think about, we think this might be a good idea. What do you think? They have the discussion. That's, you know, that's the sign of a healthy organisation and of a healthy football club. I know, and it, you know, the solution that was found, it really does underpin all the things that I love about the club. It's, it's just that how we do things differently, how, how we aren't predictable. We don't go for those kind of Warnocky, those kind of, you know, those managers that just have got a reputation for for functional football. We 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 just we 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 are continuing to think differently, and and it, and it is paying off. And sometimes it won't work, and sometimes it's as you just said, Bill. You know, the inexperience kind of does get highlighted. But we're all kind of we we should if if we all kind of just kind of enjoy it a bit more. We're all we all can learn from from what's going on ourselves as well. And uh, you know that's why I said at the very beginning, if you have these kind of like really aggy um mindset uh, and opinions on on the people that run the club or the or the or the coach and they kind of get diluted because of you know one result is always going to you know one good one good result always kind of dilutes your anger you, you you maybe you need to just kind of just be a little bit less angry i think and and, and i think that's where i've become this season is that I'm, I'm not happy clappy but I'm just I am happy to be here and I think to say that I, I'm happy never to get promoted is wrong I mean I, I, I clearly I do want us to to, to, to to benefit from from having these great players and having these brilliant winning runs and all these unbeaten runs or these 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 records that we improve season on season we are going to go up at some stage because we you know we, we just we just are so I, I want that to happen but I don't want to destroy it <laughs> equally I don't want to destroy it by making one wrong decision and I think it's easy to 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 do a sacking or to 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 bring the wrong person, someone that doesn't fit into the way our, our club is set up, we just we just need to just keep pushing the boundaries and get better and and improve. And it might be incremental, and that's maybe where I'm less I, I'm less uh, urgent. Is because I can see these incremental improvements being made, and at some stage they all will lead to promotion. I just think that one bad decision and as Matt said last week getting a head coach in or getting an advisor to a head coach it could just ruin everything and then you, you set yourself back five years and then the owner might lose interest and the DOFs might bugger off to Celtic you know all, all those kind of things so it's it's careful what you wish for sometimes so listen you know here we go um Saturday we play p and and uh <laughs> we're gonna go to JB because JB mate I'm telling you he comes out with some stuff and he's got all sorts of facts and figures for this PNE game because we won by 5 0. And I think I think JB could have kept going till next next Thursday with the facts and figures on this one. So let's check out what JB has to say about his facts and his funk. Are you ready for this? I told you were coming. Who? JB. And he's ready to stock it to you one time. Hello, Jonathan Virtual here again. 
After the great result at Preston, there's lots of facts and stats. Going into that game, Preston were the only team who could have done the double over us. And as they didn't, it's the first time since the Andy Scott promotion season of 2008-9 that no team has. Scoring five goals in an away game has only happened 16 times before in our 93 league seasons. But it's happening more and often because in our six championship seasons, we've now achieved it four times. Only once before have we scored five away from home and kept a clean sheet. That was against Southampton in 1959 when we won 6-0. In that game, Jim Towers took his tally for the season to 29, just as Ivan Tony did at Preston. When Canos scored our fourth, we became the fastest team in the EFL this season to reach 70 goals. As well as Canos, Marcondes came off the bench to score. Emilianos was the 200th Brentford goal to be scored by a substitute. It was the third time that Force and Tony had started together. In those three games, they've now scored five goals between them, and both scored in two of them. It was also our tenth away win of the season, for the second time under Thomas Frank. David Webb in the 1990s is the only previous manager to achieve this. We had five different scorers on Saturday, and that's never happened before in an away league game. So there you go, JB, with his facts and his funk. And there you go, P&E, the only team that could have done the double this season. And it's not happened. So, uh, again, it's, when he throws all these facts into the picture, you, you actually realise what a good job Thomas Frank has done. Because, like, you know, you know since, what's it, since uh, the Andy Scott days, you know, uh, we're going back to the Andy Scott days where records are being broken. Like, you know, we're talking about Tim, Jim Towers, you know, the last time, sort of, you know, goal scorers have scored goals. Like, you know, the first, the fastest team to have scored 70 goals, like, you know. Tenth away game of the season, the tenth time we've done that, and five different scorers. I mean, like, I'm not being funny. He's breaking records all over the place, of frankly, isn't he? So uh, it's quite, it's, it's quite a funny situation that we're in. And like I said to you, we, um, you know, listen, the panics. I say the panics over. I mean, if you probably heard, I, I did the um, um, second year podcast this week, and uh, you know, I tried to record it quite quickly because I was, in, I was in a field, like you know, watching a bit of grassroots football, and they sort of kind of contacted me, said, "Can you do something?" So I quickly recorded it, so uh, I, I didn't have time to really compose myself. But the one thing I said is that I'm just really pleased that the the pressure is off for the bees, you know, because even if we don't get automatic promotion, all we want to do is we want to just go into the this this end of the season on a decent run so that, you know, we can go into the playoffs with some hope because I think the fear of everybody wasn't even not making the playoffs is the fact that, you know, going onto the playoffs on a bad run and uh, hopefully this Preston game will turn it around. So just quickly, just looking at the facts and figures on this one, we haven't got the winker on this week because he's having a bank holiday chill out. He's having an Easter break. He's going to find some bunnies to kind of, you know, to, to and some eggs to put into his, uh, his computer so he can come back next week and give us all sorts of stats. But, you know, for the bees, we're talking about 2.90 on the XG front to 0.47 for, for, for the P&E. I mean, they had one shot on target or I think they yeah they one shot on target to our nine and if you look at the, the the chart I mean it's just full of big red bubbles pretty much in the six yard box for Brentford you know I think the biggest chance which wasn't a penalty was about 0.77 which is the um the Sergi Canos goal which is basically as good as a penalty it was just a superb 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 goal and also like I said to you lots and lots and lots of very good chances we played completely differently in that game to what we had before. I remember Laney said a few weeks ago he just wants the team to perform without fear. And that's what it did in this game. They just went out there, performed without fear. OK, we had the right players. You know, Bumo was playing at left back and he looked like, um, he looked 
I said, fairly comfortable in that position. Made a couple of saves, you know, did a couple of recovery tackles, a couple of headers as well, you know, but also he was there to kind of help on the wing, um, you know, help on the attacks and help, you know, set up the goals in effect. Um, it was very, very good, wasn't it, the Allard? Yeah, it was. It was a complete um, switch around and, and it played to a lot of players' strengths, you know. Um, Bremo, I mean, we needed, you know, we needed a left footer, really, at left back. We've been saying that. Um, I think by making turning into a left wing back, it then brought Bremo into the into the fold and gave him the option to play there. And um, I thought he did a fantastic job. Like he was really, really quite impressive. Um, I, overall, I, I I only have one concern, and that is um, how much did Preston let us play that way? Um, and they were probably completely caught on the hop, um, expecting us to play four three three. Millwall on Saturday, I think, will expect us to play this way. Um, so it will be, you know, you know, it needs to work for a few games before we can really sort of say yes, right, okay, we're on our way. This is this is the way we're going to play for the end of the season, or at least until Rico comes back or Josh De Silva or whatever. But we, we could we could equally switch back to four three three and put Mbwemo at, at, at left back now. Now now he's done that. I mean that that is a, as an option. We can we 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 can confuse the opposition. You, you know, I think the only reason you wouldn't play the way we played on Saturday against Millwall is because they might be expecting it. I think it's that surprise factor, and I think we benefit from it. But going back to the positives from Saturday, I thought there were some real standout, like huge boosts. You know, I thought Roslev had an incredible game. Um, I, I, in my mind, I didn't really voice it, but in my mind, I, I just couldn't see what the point of planning was. I thought the Coventry game was a disaster for Roslev, and I think there's been a couple since then where he's just not had the confidence to, to kind of get behind or, or, and do the overlap. Um, and then on, on Saturday at, at PNE, the system allowed him to do that. He set the first two goals up. He, he, he not only did that, he, he saved an absolute goal that was going to go in at what, when we were one up, and he deflected that over. Um, and he could have he could have done the hat trick of assists because he, he did so well in the second half, and 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 the other massive one was Mumbaimo because not only did he score the first from uh, from this this experimental um, uh, formation, he got some great crosses in, and you know it, it could have been six 0 because he put that beautiful cross in for Ivan Tony and. And he got the he headed it, and the keeper made a great save. So that would have been another one of your big red bubbles, Bill, on the XG chart. So, yeah, again, going back to what Matt said, it's really we need to be unpredictable, and that's that's what allowed us to to scare the bejesus out of PNE was the fact that they didn't expect it, we didn't expect it either, and it worked so well. But I think we play against most teams like that with that confidence. And as you said, Bill, you know, playing without fear, unshackling us, that is when we're at our best. And I think whatever formation we're in, uh, we now have options that we don't have to, we don't have to play with um, Mazbek at, at left back. And that's not knocking Mazbek, he's done a great job, but he doesn't yeah. give and, us and, that And, and it's just coming back to the stats forward. as well. I know a lot of people sort of say, you know, Again, I heard it again the other day, you know, I think it was from a Sheffield Wednesday fan saying, now oh, this XG is an absolute load of nonsense. We're not sitting down there saying it's the best thing in the world, but the indicators were there, as we said. Um, when our XG was low, 
that, you know, when we were getting the results and then we stopped getting the results and then we started to panic. And I think the fear for me as well is that I, I could look at these charts and think, tell you something, right? You know, it doesn't look like we're going to pull ourselves out of it because we're actually not taking the chances, especially when you're losing matches, okay? So you're not creating the big chances, you're not getting the big numbers out there, you know? Whereas Watford were also getting the big numbers and getting the results. All of a sudden in this game, we're coming back there and we, you know, we've got an XG of nearly three, which means that we're creating the chances. And you might say, oh, it's only Preston. But to me, all of a sudden I'm thinking, great, we're back to where we were before. If we continue to do this, even if we're not scoring to goals, that is in a much better position than if we were when we were before, when we were when we were creating the chance that we had low XG and we were still getting the results. Because you know that it's Brentford of old. And if we do that, we'll continue to score goals. So I'm hoping, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, and I'm going to touch a bit of wood here as well, that we are back to this the, the style that we're playing, which allows us to create the chances and put the teams on the back foot. Another player I thought was very good was uh, Fosu as well. He was uh, he was excellent, wasn't he, the Allards? Yeah, he was good. Um, he 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 had he was almost given a sort of in some respects a free role. He didn't have to sort of you know be on a on, on one or the other wing and swap with the other winger and stuff. He was given the opportunity to play almost anywhere within that middle area. He could drift out wide either way as well, um, and um, and I just thought it gave him the freedom to really show us what he can do. Uh, and and it was and, and to be honest, when I saw what the team was going to be, um, I, I was trying to work out where he was going to play because I thought, oh, we're not going to play three up front, are we? With Tony and Fossil on one side and Force on the other, which I really don't like. I don't think it works. Um, and, and by withdrawing Fossil and letting Tony and Force play up top, um, it just gave us two benefits. And you know, the, the benefit was that was that Tony had somebody close to him and the other benefit was that Fosu was literally let off a leash, wasn't he? And he could, he could drift and pick up anywhere and he worked his socks off as well. So he became the third midfielder when he had to defend. I thought Force's work rate was just incredible as well. He, he pressed and pressed and pressed and he, he forced a lot of uh, panicky uh, clearances from the goalkeeper. Uh, I, I thought, and I thought Ivan Tony, he... Gave, he seemed to give away less fouls, which I thought was important because when we had when we had the ball in their final third in a non-attacking, non-goal scoring situation, we were putting them under pressure and we were kind of pinning them into that into their own half rather than committing a foul, which allowed them to clear the lines. They were they were scuffing clearances. They were just scooping and doing the old Toblerone Toblerone boot sort of clearances absolutely anywhere and um, we, were, we were able to keep that high pressure that high kind of intensity in the, in the opponent's half rather than letting them off the hook a bit and allowing them to lump it long into our, into our half so I thought and, that was and, a, and that probably a, comes that partly from change, force being up closer to Tony I think part of the, a lot of the time Tony gets he's isolated on his own and therefore the only thing he thinks he can do is try and win a foul because he doesn't really see what other options he's got, and maybe maybe he just felt that he had other options today, or you know that it could it well not today, sorry, on Saturday, um, and that could have been the difference for that. I'm going to ask you as well. In defence, in defence, we've got Pinnock on the left, we've got Jansen on the right, and we've got a very mobile Norgard in the middle. Do you think this is going to be the last we'll see for a while of Winston Reid? In 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 this system, I, I think yeah. I, especially if they both stay fit, he might have to come in for Pontus. Say Pontus gets injured, I think he, he 
I don't really see who else comes in for Pontus, or we have to change again and change the system again. Um, so I think he's he's not as mobile, is he, as I, as, as any of you know either Pinnock um, or Pontus, and um, and I think you need you need that mobility. Norgard was was making quick passes. Um, to both of them, they were getting out wide, and you, you need him to be able to really play football. I think Reed's a good defender, and he and he reads the game well and stuff like that. But I just don't, unfortunately, you know, I think we're we're playing a different type of football to to what are actually Reed's strengths, which is effectively defending in my book. That's right. So listen, Saturday, big game now. We've got Millwall coming down. We're going to have a little break, and after that, we're going to talk about Millwall. So Millwall. On Saturday, and I've just got just quickly, I've just got to run through because listen, a lot of people have been supporting us over the last few weeks on Kofi, as you know, Bissot has got their kofibissotted.com forward slash beer. So thanks, big ups to you all for supporting us over the weeks. We've kind of had a little bit of a chill because we've had to just do our own thing and we've had guests coming on and we just have been depressed because Brentford haven't done too well. And we thought, tell you something, let's just give you big ups when we've actually had a really good result. So, you know, there are some really great people out there. All of you, thanks for listening, everybody anyway. Like I said, Nick Witcher. As I said, thanks Billy and Dave for everything, but especially for the latest pod, you two are legends, is what he said. Thank you, Nick. Um, Big up to you there as well. We've got quite a few anonymous people that have actually just kind of given us a bit of support there. Appreciate you. Jack, there you go with uh, every, every, you know, always putting in there as well. Jack and Madraka B as well, who is uh, interesting. I think the Madraka B sent me a little message. I'll have to come back to you as well, talking about the podcast that we did last week, the Panic Stations podcast. And the Madraka B, I think, had a, a few concerns about a few things there, which is fair enough as well you know but again we've explained at the beginning of this podcast but we'll also come back to you Majaka B about that so thanks for your support as well Robert Keane as usual Leslie Woodcock I like my beer without froth thank you for your froth free articles okay all right okay Leslie that's uh, that's fine you know froth free you here we go Mike as well keep up the good work coming you bees and then we've got you know a few more anonymous and then Peter Gray forever Brentford since 1961 and what we have now is beyond our wildest dreams thanks for you Peter as well as well and like I said to you Kevin Sawyer as well always in there big up to you also thank you very much for your support and like I said to you hopefully we'll be out and about in the streets uh, very soon but look Millwall. Um, sorry, Bill, you've left the two out. The, the big, the big payment that we received, the one from the the, the, no, the Lex Green Green Seal and the David Cameron one. They, they, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, they were, <laughs> Matt, it was like a lot. Of, they were lobbying for for more liberal. Apparently, they were. Yeah. They, 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 we we weren't going to talk about that on this. Oh, you remember, okay. Dave? We said oh, that we sorry, weren't going to mention sorry. it. Mm, okay. We'll hush, we'll hush that one up, shall we? Yeah, we won't talk about it. We will talk about it in t- about 20 years' time. You know what I'm saying? It'll come out. Oh, right, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So anyway, but anyway, we should move on because Henry Morgan from No One Likes Us Talking podcast is going to give us the lowdown on Millwall. Evening, Busy Bees. Uh, Henry Morgan here from the No One Likes Us Talking podcast. Um, very recently did a, a piece on the women's game um, and especially the elite casting of different uh, teams and some of the some of the information I found out certainly about teams like Liverpool not even potentially having a team or you know giving them such poor facilities they couldn't even finish their season I found pretty shocking to be fair um, so that's probably the most interesting thing that I've done um, this season talking about Millwall's season very much an up and down season and, uh, and what I'd say is it feels like we've played a lot worse than what a table position says um, and somehow we've been managing to get results in a, in what I would say has been a pretty poor championship this year. But 
with the background of COVID, it's really difficult to know um, actually how good or how bad that we've been. You know, give, given you know other teams are having similar struggles to um, similar similar struggles to ourselves. It's um, yeah, it's it, it's I've got to, I've really struggled not being at games and having to watch them on iFollow. And I think potentially you see a very different team to to what you would see if you were live. Um, I think potentially beer also has a big a big impact in that. Um, Gary Rowett now has been in the job since, uh, what, about October, November last year. I think we started to play some very promising football under him. In the run-up to the first lockdown, we notably beat Nottingham Forest 3-0 on a Sky TV game on a Friday night up at the City Ground, which was the last game that me and a lot of other Millwall fans actually managed to get to. Um, and that night, I started to think, actually, this is a team who could potentially go on and make the playoffs, but um, obviously curtailed that. When the season did start up again, we didn't have anywhere near the momentum that, that, that we had previously going into that, losing at home three or four times, um, which has been a, a consistent feature actually of, of, of this particular lockdown. And we've, we've not been as strong at home as, as we have been elsewhere. Um, lots of fans still out on Gary Rowett though. Uh, lots of negativity about him. I think some people not happy with the football that we're playing, some people um, not understanding why he is constantly changing the team. I think COVID has a massive hand in that. And we're not really going to see Gary Rowett and what he's trying to do for, well, I wouldn't even think next season. I think he's going to have to do a couple of building sort of processes through, through two or three championship windows, actually. Other teams that I speak to, Derby and Stoke, both say actually his football's pretty shocking anyway. So, um, yeah, come back and maybe speak to me this time next year to, to tell more about um, his football. We've we've had Ryan Woods on loan from um, Stoke so far this year. I think he's fantastic. He's played all but one game that I can think of, which was against his parent club, Stoke, where we won 2-1 um, sort of last week. His ball distribution is fantastic. Um, when he gets into more threatening areas of the pitch, he can thread a ball through the eye of a needle. Um, I know that people at Brentford speak very highly of him. Uh, Billy, I've obviously spoken to you about him when I can't understand some of the criticism he gets from Millwall fans, to be honest. I think that they potentially aren't watching all of the good that he does, sort of saying that he only passes it backwards and sideways. But my point being is that if you need to retain possession and you can only pass the ball to your players who are backwards and sideways. It's very difficult to know what else he can do. Um, be great to see him maybe get a few more shots in, something like that. It's about the only only criticism I could really poke in his game. Um, he's getting stuck in a bit more as well, which obviously for some Wolf fans is a big thing. But, you know, I see him as more of a, a classy footballer than, than that. And it really goes on to get get me to think about, you know, how well we sort of do with such a small squad and limited amount of quality that we've got in it. You know, very low wages. I think we're fifth um, or potentially even lower than that now. Fourth in the in the list of teams in the championship with, with, with the spending in our budget, you know, roughly averaging something like eight and a half grand a week, something like that. Um, Jed Wallace is, is phenomenal for us, has been, you know, he hasn't shone as much this season, but I think that's because he takes on a lot himself. And when he's not firing, we're not really firing as a team. I think he's phenomenal. I've loved him ever since he came in on loan from Wolverhampton three or four seasons ago now. Ryan Woods, I've just mentioned, great. Without Bart Bilipowski, our goalkeeper, I think we'd be 
clearly in the bottom half of the table, if not potentially in danger of being in the relegation dogfight. He has been phenomenal. I think he's probably one of the best championship keepers. Um, Sean Hutchinson in defence as well, I think has been very good for us. And the great news for Brentford is he's currently injured and he's not going to be back till the end of the season. And that, that, that's a big, big loss for us. Uh, we've got a couple of good youngsters coming through. Uh, Danny McNamara um, coming in on the right-hand side, playing sort of like a wing-back position. Billy Mitchell in the centre of defence. Both of them young guys come through our youth system playing in the under-23s and, and this season have broken into the first team to give a bit of competition there. And if they keep going the way they're going, they're going to form into very solid championship players, which is, which is phenomenal. Um, and, and I think it's difficult to dig people out this season just because of COVID. And when you're playing games sort of once every four and a half, every five games, there's not a lot of recovery time. Um, and every, everyone's, everyone's made a mistake here or there just through tiredness or not quite living up to, to the expectations of, of, of what, what we want people to do. So it's hard for me to dig any one of our players out not potentially reaching their full potential. Um, I know there'll be other Millwall fans really shouting at me for a, for a few names there, but you know I'm, I'm going to give them all the benefit of the doubt this season and just say, actually, they've all tried. They've all worked very hard. And, and you know where, where performances haven't been up to scratch, I think that's not through a lack of skill or trying. I think it's probably through the fact that they're potentially just uh, knackered. Um, but if I had to pick one thing, our strikers haven't really chipped in with the goals that we've needed this season. And that's been a... Ever since Lee Gregory and uh, Steve Morrison left, this really has been uh, a void. Matt Smith did very well last season, but, you know, he's, he's been a bit less mobile. And he's had, had less opportunity this year as well. And the championship this season, I think, has been a fairly poor run, to be honest, for, for, for a lot of teams and a lot of big teams un, well underperforming. Um, I think the highs that I've seen, Blackburn were very good in both the games they played against us. Um, like Bradley Jack, Bradley Dak, sorry, and Armstrong, uh, really the difference between the two sides. But they played some nice football as well, both out there placing down here. Coventry came down to the 10 and managed to beat us. And I thought they played very well, certainly in the first half. They really, really did give us a big game. Barnsley were fantastic. Um, not so much in a one-all draw earlier in the season, but certainly when we went up to Oakwell, lost 2-1 um, six weeks ago now, I suppose. They look very good, very high press. Um, and a side which, I, you know, I'd, I'd love to see them, you know, get put the cat amongst the pigeons, get into the playoffs and, um, and, and do something with, with, the, with their high press. Um, I was going to mention uh, who PR as well, but um, now they're shit. We've got no chance of making the playoffs uh, especially with Sean Hutchinson being out now, our loss against Swansea, I think, really underlined that. I don't think we've got the strength in depth of the squad to really make that step into the into the playoffs. And we're also we're lacking somebody up front with a goal scoring ability. We've currently been playing Jed Wallace and Mason Bennett up there, neither of which are what you would deem an out and out striker. I don't think we play the right way for someone like Tom Bradshaw to really come in. To the side and score goals he's had limited opportunity this year and i think you know people have really dug him out which again in my personal opinion i think slightly unfair because he hasn't had a lot of opportunity and you know it, it, it has been a tough season so yeah we're definitely an informed striker or a striker short of making the playoffs um and i think that probably swansea brentford barnsley bournemouth as it currently stands i 
hope that's who makes the playoffs. I don't really like Reading. I don't really want Reading to get into the top six. Um, you know, if I'd set out for our game at the Medeski, I'd only just got back this time last week. It's that far from the station. So, um, and we played them two months ago. I, I just think that really those are the teams that will go in there. I, I mean, Swansea were on a poor run of form, but they came to the den and absolutely nailed us. Mainly through the fact that their strikers could, could put the ball in the net. I think the 3-0 probably was a bit lopsided, to be honest. But that's it. I think going down, I think Sheffield Wednesday, I'm going to go a bit rogue here. I think Coventry, I think Wickham have been on a good little run of form and you never know, you, you know, they, they might dig themselves out of it. And, uh, but, I mean, mainly because I, I don't really like them and, and you know, I'm sorry, Chris Pugh and other people that are Birmingham Blues fans, but I think Birmingham City have still got some tricky games coming up against teams that are around them. Um, but their big game's going to be against Rotherham this weekend and I think potentially the loser of that is going to be in more trouble, but I know that Rotherham have got a few games in hand on them. Um, uh, thinking more to this weekend, we obviously played Brentford earlier this season. I think the most frustrating thing for me has been our home form this year. I think our away form puts us inside the, comfortably inside the top six. Our home form puts us in the bottom four currently, bottom four. And it's really started with our inability to actually hold a lead, in my, in my opinion. So there were five games earlier this season, Brentford game being one of them, where we went 1-0 up. Jed Wallace scored, I think it was something like the fourth minute, very early on. Um, and then we gave away a penalty. Some people think it was potentially more controversial than whatever it is. There's no point in really going into it because it was given. And of course, Ivan Tony steps up and, and, and hits the equaliser. And from then on, you know, it was a fairly even game, especially from a Millwall perspective where we don't often have a lot of possession. I think the possession stats were, they, they usually stack more in Brentford's favour. You know, you guys love to pass the ball around, always look very comfortable in possession. Um, and I think with Ivan Tony, you've got that cutting edge, which will potentially fire you to the top of the playoffs and maybe into the Premier League. And, and and I think really, you know, you did have more possession, probably the upper hand for the rest of that game. We had more shots on target. I think we had three shots on target during that match to, to your one. But, you know, I think he generated more possession and, and opportunity than potentially um, Mill did. And, and I just think, you know, for a number of seasons now, Brentford have played probably the best football in the Championship. I mean, certainly from the teams that I've seen that are above you currently, Norwich were terrible at the Den and at their place. Um, haven't got a lot of time for Watford, although Watford did come down to us and we played them basically on a cabbage patch. It was absolutely shocking the pitch that night, so it's difficult to say um, about Watford. But yeah, de definitely some of the best football in the, in, in the, in the division being played by Brentford, um, and it has been for a number of years. Saturday's game, what do we have to do to get a result? I think we have to frustrate you. Um, we have to try and sit back, hit you on the break as we have done to other teams this season. Someone like Mason Bennett, someone like Jed Wallace, that little bit of magic from one of those two to try and get us a goal and get our nose in front. Um, we haven't got a great record going to Brentford. I know obviously you're in the new stadium now, but you know, I've still got car crash memories of being tuning up a few seasons ago and, and, and losing 3-2, uh, which was, which was not, not an enjoyable one. Um, Back at, yeah, back at Griffin Park. I don't know. But anyway, so 
that's how, if we're gonna win, that's how we're gonna do it. Gonna have to sit back, soak up some pressure, hit you on the break, try and mark Ivan Tony out the game with our best defender not playing. Um, so Bart Blikowski's gonna have to have another blinder. And if you had to push me on a score prediction, I think my heart and my head both say that I'd love to see a Millwall win, but uh, probably one all. If it was at the Den, I'd be thinking Brentford are more likely to win because it's on the road, given where you are. You've had been through a bit of a rocky patch in terms of form and things like that. I think we've got a chance of, you know, either a one-all draw or trying to nick it 2-1. Uh, best of luck for the rest of the season, boys. And uh, yeah, look forward to speaking soon. So that was Henry from No One Likes Us Talking podcast. Good little podcast. Go and check them out as well. And he's talking to us about Ryan Woods, our old Woodsy. He doesn't care. care. They don't care at all. Does Woodsy, you know, talking about Millwall, who just probably going to miss out on the playoffs this time. You know, they've had a no-say season. You know, every year they're kind of there, but not quite there. But listen, they're coming down to new ground. Is it? I mean, I don't even know. Are they coming down to us? We're going up to them. I'm so confused. They're Please somebody help me out. What's, they're coming what's going down on? to our manor. Oh, they're, okay. to West they're coming okay. to us. They're coming, they're coming to New Griffin Park. And what they like doing is they like shooting from direct free kicks, creating long shot opportunities. They like shooting from afar, actually, Millwall. They like coming back from new losing positions. So you have to be careful there. They create scoring chances. They're, they're good in the air. And they like stealing the ball from the opposition. You know, they like to play with width. Um, um, but they're not very good at keeping possession of the ball. They're not very good at finishing scoring chances. Um, They're not very good at avoiding fouling in dangerous areas, and also they're very, very bad at defending against long shots. So the Allard, the Millwall coming down, listen, look, I mean, listen, I know that you say that, you know, they're going to be ready for us, but looking at what we did with Preston, okay, um, and took them apart, how do you think we'll go about this Millwall team? Um, well, the first thing to say is, is describe a Gary Rowett team, and you just about did there, like, you know, long shots, um, high balls, headers, all that sort of stuff. And, um, and the second one is how, how, is, how are we going to cope with it? Um, I think that, you know, Rowett is cute. Um, he's, he's, he's done it many, many times over the years. He stopped us from playing. I'd be very surprised if we don't actually start the game playing exactly the same way as we did against the Preston game which may be somewhat playing into his hands it might actually as Dave says be more fun if we switch it up again and do something different um, I I don't think we will if I'm honest um, but you know you have to sort of say well we created a load of chances and if we can just keep the momentum going and, and a lot of the time it's about confidence and the players should be absolutely full of confidence if we can just keep the momentum going and hopefully be hopefully everyone's fit so we can play more or less the same team then I think we'll do fine God you can you imagine if we could work out a way of playing both systems in the same game by flipping it up and and confu- confusing the fuck out of whoever we play I mean it, 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 I, I, it's possible it, it, it's not hard you just you just basically you just drop into you make it a back four. Um, Norgard moves up into midfield and Fosu goes out wide, but then you got then you're playing force out wide, I guess. So, but it's, it's not you know it's not impossible to do. It's, it's relatively easy to do. And, and to be honest, the teams that are really adept at it do sometimes switch up during a game. Who needs Roy Keane? We've got the ally. I don't shout enough. He looks like him with a beard at the moment. Three four three is kind of you know where they seem to be kind of playing their game as well. 
So, you know, you've got Woodsy in the middle, you know, Woodsy and Leonard in the middle as well. So it's going to be a bit of a battle of the midfield, isn't it? Yeah, we we know what Millwall, we know what Rowett is all about, really, don't we? And, you know, Matt Smith's in their their armoury as well, is he not? And, you know, it's it's someone that, you know, we need to be looking out for. Um, For them to hit hit it long, we we don't like balls into the mixer very much, do we? you know, P&E tried that and we, we, we did all right. Mbwemo did that brilliantly kind of cushioned. Um, he, he got in the way and uh, what would have been a goal a couple of weeks ago ended up being a kind of an easy save for, for David Raya. Um, again, you know, I, this isn't being flippant. It's just like really, you know, we, we, need, we need to not really worry about Millwall. Um, we need to just worry about ourselves and that's really setting ourselves up to just go at them. Yeah, they, they're, they're going to have chances. Yes, they um, can threaten us, but if we've got the right mindset, the right game plan and the right positivity, which we had on Saturday, we, we, there's no one's going to touch us. You know, they might score one or they might score two, but we might score five and we might score six. And it's it's that we need to be there. It doesn't really matter at the moment. We've got this ridiculously great goal difference um, if, 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 if we concede it, it doesn't matter as long as we're scoring conceding goals at the moment is only a problem if we're not scoring ourselves um, we don't need a draw we need a win and we have to just go out and attack and if we do that we'll win well go on it's the key, it's the key to this isn't it because I think actually now that the top Six places are decided um, in what permutation, what order, but I reckon all the clubs that are now currently in the top six are going to be staying there come the end of the season. So, I mean, what Mill will have to play for will be interesting to see. Uh, I don't think that, you know, anything too radical needs to take place. The only problem I have is that Gary Rowett does seem to have a bit of a spell over us occasionally. Um, and But, you know, start Fossu and we'll win, I'm sure. I do have to say very briefly that the results last night with um, Bournemouth winning and uh, Swansea winning, I almost, because of the game and the result on Saturday, I was so really relaxed about that. And um, that, that that was a bit odd. I normally would have been kind of like a bit aggy about that. And um, I think I think the, the, the way we played on Saturday has actually kind of done us a lot. Well, me, it's done me. I'll speak for myself. It's done me a lot of good. I'm... I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not so. I'm not so worried. You know, any talk about us missing out in the playoffs? You know, poppycock. There is no. There is no. There's no. There's no. There's absolutely no chance we will miss out in the playoffs. And I reckon there's absolutely no chance anybody else will get into the playoffs. Okay, listen. Score predictions around there. The Elard. Uh Two one bees. The Liberal. Two nil bees. The Laney. Five one bees. Woo! <laughs> and the Billy the Bee. 2-0 bees. So there you go. So confidence all around. It's amazing what a, a 5-0 away victory does for you, you know, after the panic stations of last week. So listen, I'm Billy Grant and I'm sitting here in the virtual joint. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast and I'm here with your chums, the Liberal Nick. Hello. Goodbye. Thank you. OK. <laughs> and you've got the Allard. Yeah, cheers. Thanks, Bill. Come on, you bees. You've got the Laney. Hello. Goodbye. Thank you. I like that. <laughs> And it's me, Billy the Grant, and Billy Grant, Billy the Bee. I don't even know what my name is anymore because I'm so excited. We're going to go to the pub on Friday or Saturday or whatever day it is because we're going to go there and watch a game. And there's going to be loads of us and all my mates inside there. We can cheer as we see the bees. We play the Millwall. We say, come, come on, on, you bees. bees.
Thieves. Hello, goodbye, thank you. Can't wait. Can't wait. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.